You're listening to The Big Show with George Russick. Um, I like your musk. That's one you're going to see for a little sniff. And Patrick Dumas. Patrick, your thoughts? Yeah, all right. <laughs> On Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour two, Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. The bottom of the hour, um, NHL Daily Faceoffs. Frank Saravalli will join us. Teams calling about the Flames blue line? Huh? Yeah? Uh, Derek Wills, the voice of the Calgary Flames on Sportsnet 960 at 8 o'clock. Uh, also taking your text messages at 960-960, name and location. The Oilers losing in San Jose last night makes me want to blank this weekend. The Oilers losing in San Jose last night makes me want to blank this weekend. 960-960, name and location. But joining us on the line right now. Oh, and by the way. I got some hot Oilers stats for you in the program. Very hot. Very, very scorching hot. Uh, but joining us right now, big television star on the Sportsnet Radio and Television Network. He is the producer of Real Kipper and Born. Um, we say good morning on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline to Mr. Sam McKee. Hello, friend. How are you? George, it is wonderful to hear your voice this morning. You got me chuckling on the line. I don't know if you can hear me, but uh, that text topic is so good. The Oilers, oh my God. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of grave dancing going on, McKee, right here in Calgary, and people are loving it. Well, yeah, I mean, the Flames stink, but the Oilers are like... Or they're worse. It's like embarrassingly bad. At least the the Flames are just like normal bad. Yeah. The the Oilers are like... (laughs) You know, losing to the worst team ever, bad. Yeah. And, you know, oh, God, it's it's not pretty at Edmonton. And, you know, I felt like the whole East Coast was actually awake trying to watch it last night because it's just insane. It's, it's The schadenfreude is off the, off the hook oh, there, fellas. People are loving it uh, this morning yeah. uh, in Calgary. Um, how banged up does McDavid look to you? Because he just don't look right. I, I don't know how to quantify it, boys. It's weird. It's uh, Is it lower body? Is it something with the with the burst? Is it like an oblique? Because it doesn't seem like he's shooting or passing as hard as he usually does. Like, you know, usually when you can kind of, you can figure out what's ailing somebody, but it's just, the only thing you can say is he doesn't look the same, right? Like, I don't know. I'm definitely not a doctor, but I, I don't know what, how to diagnose what's going on with him because he's not right and he's playing through something. But at some point here, they're going to be out of it. And it's like, what do you value more? Having him, his long-term health or him playing through something? Like, it's a real mess there. So, yeah, I, I don't know what's going on with him. It's weird. Yeah, I don't Hard know. to if, watch him stink like this. Yeah, I don't know if they can just throw away the season already. It is November. Like, a team that, and again, we, we've been we've been hammering the points home here, Sammy. A cup or bust in Edmonton uh, the whole time. But, yeah. man, they're dead last, tied for dead last in the NHL right now. It's November. We're a month into the season. And I just don't know where the light at the end of the tunnel is. Yeah, you can. It's the old adage. You can't fire all the players. Uh, you got to fire the head coach. I don't know how Woodcroft survives this. Do you? No, and I actually like Woodcroft. And like, I was thinking that he was one of the young up and coming good coaches in the league. Anytime I hear him talk, I he had a really good record leading into this year. It's just, I don't, are they this bad? I, I, you know, I watched the guy, I've watched them play three or four times where they've dominated teams. They seem, can't seem to get a bounce. I don't know. It's a it's a real you know the Rogers is just really thrilled with this with this media package that they've gotten. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't get the no Canadian team's ever good. 
and it's the Kings and, and it's the Kings and Golden Knights and Panthers that are good. I'm sure they're just thrilled with this. But yeah, it's it's weird what's going on with McDavid and the or the Oilers. I'm really surprised by it. Uh, one more. How bad do you feel for Jack Campbell? Like obviously Jack Campbell is his up and down oh. career. You know, solid Maple Leaf. Good on him for cashing in at Edmonton because the Leafs are never going to pay that money. But you know, well as I do, Sammy, I've had the chance to interview him. I'm pretty sure you have too. The guy's like yeah. the nicest guy in the planet, and you don't want anything bad, but good Lord, he can't stop a puck right now. From a Leaf fan perspective, like halfway through last year, I was kind of being like, yeah, like, ah, yeah, see, like, oh, yeah, he's no good. He's no good. I knew he wasn't. Any good. And then it just turned into the human element. We're like, oh, my God, this is dark. <laughs> I'm watching a video, a grainy video filmed with a potato of him in Bakersfield letting in a dribbler from the hash marks. I'm like, oh, my God. It's just, it's really, I do feel awful for him. And, you know, as bad as you can feel for a guy that's got signed to a $20 million contract, but man, he's still a human being. And what yeah. he's going through, I, I can't imagine what he's feeling and, like right now. And he now. takes I, everything so hard too, right? I know, man. I mean, that's, I mean, we have a couple drops on our show on Real Kipper and Born of him, like, just like his, yeah, just drop it. Like, just the way he talks and he's just so emotional. It's yeah. terrible. It's terrible what's going on with him on, from a human side. I'm sure Flame fans are really, really just wow. crying for him, doing their 7 a.m. commute with a guy with 20 million bucks getting paid to play in the AHL. I'm sure they're really <laughs> sad about it. Uh, Sam, <laughs> uh, the Flames are the Leafs' opponent tonight. Uh, Hall of Fame game, of course. Uh, we've got our stat pack this morning. I saw that the Leafs actually lead the league in hits. Does it feel like it? <laughs> Yeah, they lead the league in hits because they don't have the puck. They gotta hit everybody the whole time. Uh, yeah, they listen. I, I, uh, as much as going on with the Oilers and people are making fun of the Oilers, you know, the Leafs are a couple pretty lucky results away from being the Oilers. Yeah, I, I gotta tell you, they they got some wins here over the first month of the season that they probably didn't deserve points in, like namely them coming back down four one to Tampa Bay. Um, you know, the first game of the season against the Habs, they were down big. You know, they, they've been down big in a lot of these games. They've had these results that aren't necessarily – like their record, what are they right now? They're, I think they're a one game under 500. They've lost more in overtime. They are – I think they have three regulation wins all year, boys. I'm telling you right now, their record, and it's not very good for them, is flattering to them. So I'll be interested to see what they look like tonight. Like the Flames are coming into a contentious environment. Let's just say that. Like, it is a buzzsaw at Scotiabank Arena. The Flames go up one early. Like, the boos are coming down quick <laughs> these days. Like, they're getting booed off the ice after the first period these days. It, it's, pretty, it's pretty dire right now in Toronto. Sam, better signing, Ryan Reeves or John Klingberg? Oh, that is a real <laughs> tough question there. That's, it's like picking between my children, George. I'm having a really hard time with this. Uh, I can't. I would probably say... Ryan Reeves because he doesn't impact the Leafs the way John Klingberg does. I John Klingberg has been playing a lot because they've had a lot of injuries on the back end. Jake McCabe's been out for a while. You saw what happened to Timothy Lilligren. So they've really had to elevate John Klingberg and it's just not working. And it's not like we can hide him. He is every game borderline killing them, fellas. I, 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 I was kind of bullish on the signing. We all remember watching him in Dallas. Remember how good he was in Dallas when they went on that bubble cup run? Like, he was big, fast, mean, you know, hitting guys in everybody's face. And I just, I don't know what happened to him. I, I don't know where it went. And now you watch him, 
And I can't remember watching a guy play for the Leafs. And listen, there's been some bad teams in the city. George knows all too well. <laughs> like, that just makes so many glaring mistakes mm-hmm. every shift. Like, I, I, I hate piling on the guy because all we're, all we're doing is he is whipping boy number one. He is in the crosshairs. But it's unlike anything the city's seen in a while. He is mm-hmm. making brutal plays almost every game, and it's just really gotten to a fever pitch with him. I, I don't know what they're going to do because they're going to go to 11-7, and seven, I think, tonight in November, boys, just so that they can kind of shield him. He only played 15 last night. But, like, the next stop is the press box. Like, he cannot really play right now, and I don't know how they get it figured out with him. What's the, like, I guess, like, what's, is there an in-house solution? I guess Jake McCabe should be back in the lineup tonight, but obviously, like, yeah, yeah he's not a big needle mover. He's playing on a second pair with Geo. It's like, is and, that and, But that's you your want? problem right yeah, there, yeah, too. Like, Geo's yeah. on your second pair. Right. Yeah, Geo, like, this is, you know, it's it's gone to the point with Geo where I, I adore the guy, and there's not many guys in the league I respect more. Like, we always joke on Leafs talk after the games, like, about, he can't piss a drop after the game. He's got nothing last point. Like he, all he's got is left on the ice. Like this guy is 40 years old. He's playing 25 minutes of le- 20 minutes a night in the NHL. And he's just, he's trying so hard, but he just, he can't do it the same anymore. It's like, it's just, he's 40. It's the NHL. It's, it's too much for him. And they've called up William Lagason and Simone Benoit, who are both like, okay. And like serviceable NHL guys, but not long-term solutions. They're just asking so much out of the other guys because they can't really play Klingberg in these situations. And, you know, I think Gio was minus four last game uh, with playing with Klingberg or minus three. But, like, Gio's been on the ice for nine power play goals against already this year. Their penalty kill's been terrible, and that's, like, a part of it. I I just – there's not really many in-house solutions. So that's why everybody in this city is sniffing around your city for that back end in, in, in Calgary. Because, you know, there are people here are monitoring what's going on with Calgary because there's so many nice pieces on the decor there. Yeah. And the history with True Living, like, there's a big, seems like there's a real trade partner, but the Flames, are, haven't they won a couple in a row here? So maybe they're not ready to, to, to sell on the season yet. It's, it's, a, it's a mess on the back end here. It's the worst team defense I've seen the Leafs have in the Matthews era. It's really bad right now. Uh, Sam McGee's the producer of Real Kipper and Born. You watch him on the radio and, well, you see him and listen to him on the radio and television network. Uh, Joining us here on the big show on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Podcast Hotline, Russick and Rose, no Rose, Dumas. Um, I've been hearing uh, on, on some Toronto radio, watching you guys too, uh, the, the name Nikita Zadorov pops up for somebody the potentially mm-hmm. the Leafs could acquire. Let me tell you this, Sam, from somebody who's watching Nikita Zadorov now for a year and a bit, uh, you want mm-hmm. a guy who is uh, high risk, high reward, and the most inconsistent defenseman you've ever watched in your yeah. life? Nikita Zadorov is your guy. Like, he looks so, like that first round pick talent against, watch the game against the Predators. You'd be like, wow, this guy's incredible. And then he disappears for like two or three games and tries to throw a big hit and throws himself completely out of the play. If you're looking for inconsistency and a roller coaster defenseman, Nikita Zadorov's your guy, Sammy. That's what's always hilarious about this stuff, George, is people that don't necessarily watch other teams closely, right? And it's like, you you know, I watch you know, other teams here and there. And, like, I, I watch, after the Leafs, I watch a ton of Leafs, but, like, the late-night games, I watch a lot of Vancouver recently. You see the Flames or whatever. But it's like, you don't really watch. You don't, like, when you're covering a team or you're a fan of a team or you're living in the city, 
you don't watch another team the way you watch a team in your own. And like everyone's building up Zadorov or building up Tanev or building these guys up. Yeah. They have no idea. They have no idea. But like, I'll tell you right now, it can't be worse than what <laughs> John Klingberg is. No, no point. Like no. I'll tell you, Nikita right now, Zadorov like, looks like Nick Littstrom compared to Klingberg. Yeah. Like there's no person <laughs> that they could bring. Like they could bring in pretty much anyone. And like Lagason, William Lagason, who I think, I don't even know. Was he on the Oilers? I don't even know where the hell this guy's been. But, like, they've put him in there, and he's just been capable. Like, he throws a hit here and there. <laughs> he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He's just been, like, capable. And people in the city are like, boy, that Legacy's pretty good, eh? That, boy, he, he's really come in. Well, that Benoit's really come in here, and he hits some guys. It's like, it doesn't take a lot in this city to be looked upon as, like, a good defenseman. But just, you can't be a disaster. So, yeah, I, I know what you're saying about Zadorov, and I know what people are saying, like, building up other guys in other markets. But, yeah, they need some help back here, and it just seems like it's a natural sort of conversation piece between the two teams. What, uh, how's uh, Brad True Living been perceived so far in that city with some of the signings? It's a great question, and, you know, how messy it got with Dubis at the end here, and I think... I think Brad Schlitting was kind of brought in on a whim. I don't think they expected to have to bring him in. Like I thought, you know, Dubitz was probably going to be the general manager again this year, and we all know what the press conference is, whatever. And I think Brad Schlitting comes in here, has to kind of rush through a lot of decision-making, and the, and, the, and the off-season happens. I would say, with my Twitter mentions, which is always a great place to figure out what people are feeling, not. And uh, with my texts, with my buddies and all that, I would say the worms turning a little bit here. The signings this wow. offseason, fellas, have not been good. I, they just haven't been good. Like, I think that people would give him, you know, a bit of time here, maybe because it's obviously early. But you know the city. You know how quickly stuff can happen. You know how quickly people get pissed off with the hockey team. Like, you look at his signings. Klingberg has been one of the worst defensemen I've watched play on the Leafs in my life, truly. And I know that's a horrible thing to say, but it's, I'm just being honest with you, fellas. Right. Ryan just Reed in your life? Has, <laughs> just in like 30-plus yeah. years of watching the Leafs? Right, well, no, probably like like 15 real years watching the Leafs. Okay, like or, you know, serious kid, years. Right. Yeah, like, but like 15 years watching the Leafs, it's probably been the worst I've seen. I, 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 and I'm not sugarcoating that. He's really been bad. And then Ryan Reeves. He's I, tough, though. I, tough. Honestly, I want to love him, and I, you know me. I love that style of hockey, and I love the intimidation factor, and I love that it's still hockey. But he just can't. He can't play. He looks like me in beer league in the summer trying to play against, like, the AAA kids that come and play, like, in the summer beer league. Looks like me trying to keep up with them. It's, it's, it's just it's untenable. He can't play. He might be scratched tonight. And then Domi and Bertuzzi. Domi has really found his way here with playing center. He's looked a lot better. Seems to maybe find a little pairing with Nick Robertson. And Bertuzzi has just been like another whipping boy. So these guys that he's brought in for high prices really haven't turned out. And it's just their supporting cast with the, with the Austin Matthews uh, sort of core four era, it's the worst it's been. And, you know, people are pointing to Brad for living for that. So I would say it's turning a little bit here. I, it's not, I wouldn't say it's been a really pleasant start for living in this city. Does Kyle Dubas make those four signings? No, that's the thing. Kyle Dubas was really good at extracting value. Like, you think of the guys that he signed, and the, he would, I don't think he would have signed those bigger-name guys. He always found, like, these guys that you would never really, not heard of. Peripheral like, guys. Peripheral guys. Like, he was great at spending... The Nola Charis. Correct. <laughs> or, like, 
you know, he brought in Michael Bunting when nobody yep. had heard of him yep. for 850K or 950K and played him on the top line for two years. There's no better value in the league. I think he got 50 points both years making 950K. <laughs> like Zach Aston Reese type of guy. Like yep. I know who's not in the league last, this year, but like last year he was a really capable depth forward who played defense. That's the thing. What Kyle Dubas did with the bottom six in the last few years, and it wasn't like this at the start, but for the last two or three years until this year, he really prioritized defensive-minded guys in the bottom half of the lineup. And that's been the change. The guys that he's brought in this year to living are not defensive-minded guys, and they're getting caved in in the bottom six. Like, it really shows. So I think it was just Dubas would have found different types of guys to support this cast that are more defensive guys. And it's just, it, it's hard to quibble with that. I know, you know, the Penguins are off to a bad start. There's lots of people being like, oh, Dubas, the, the Carlson trade's a disaster or whatever. It's, you know, it's just, it's a really fascinating what if if those two press conferences don't happen that week in Toronto here. Because it, it's just, it was a wild week. Uh, Sam, talk to me about, they don't really, this team doesn't really have a lot of depth scoring. Like 33 of their, or 30 of their 44 goals have been scored by Matthews, Marner, Tavares, yeah. and Nylander. Like that's obviously obviously there's the problems with the defense and the goaltending and whatnot, but there's the scoring is it that's going to run out. You can't be relying on Austin Matthews to get a hat trick every night. So a big part of why, like for living, brought in the less defensive guys is because I think he saw what happened last year in the playoffs with the Leafs. They scored two goals in six straight games mm-hmm. last year in the in the in the in the, in the playoffs. They won 2-1 in the game six against Tampa where John Tavares scores in overtime. And then from there on out, they scored two goals, I think, or two goals or less against the Panthers in every game and when they lost in five games. So it's really, I get that it's like, well, when we get to the playoffs, we're going to need guys who have played in the playoffs and performed in the playoffs. Domi was really good last year for Dallas Stars. Tyler Bertuzzi, I know they lost in the first round, mm-hmm. but Tyler Bertuzzi was their best player in that first round series. So they're, I think, looking more towards the playoffs in terms of these depth guys in the, in the, the bottom half of the lineup that can score in the bottom half of the lineup and support the other four guys. But the problem with these guys that they brought in is they've done the impression of all the other years past when no one else scores. So I, I think it's going to be one of those things in Toronto where we, we, we slag on Bertuzzi and, and Domi, you know, when they get to the playoffs. And, you know, I say when, boys, <laughs> the first time in a while, if is in the conversation here. Like, if is, I don't think it's a sure thing with the way the Atlantic looks. It's kind of a mishmash. There's a lot of teams that have improved. Like these guys, once they get to the playoffs, maybe they'll start to change the conversation around them, and maybe that was the thought process with depth scoring. But, yeah, boys, it's the same as it's been for the whole era. They can't get any scoring in their bottom six, but, you know, you pay $40 million for four forwards. It's tough to spend a lot whole, a whole lot else around the, the lineup. So we'll see how it goes, but it's looking a lot like a lot of other years, boys. Well, how's, uh, what's the temperature like with uh, William Nylander and his contract status? Because the guy's had an incredible start to the season. Obviously, uh, he's a key piece of this team. Is there faith that, yeah, eventually they'll just work things out and he's staying here long-term? Well, I would say it's been, it was hot at the start with, his, with, the, with the conversation with his contract. I would say it was a really popular conversation piece just because coming into training camp and like all that, Clearly, it's going to be one of the things that's talked about. I would say it's died down a little bit in terms of, guess what? He's going to cost a lot, fellas. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> he's going to be really rich. I, you know, it's going to be 10 to $11 million. I think he's kind of 
set the point here now where he's scoring, like, what's he, he's, he's got the point streak to start the year. He's been unbelievable. He has, his inconsistencies have been ironed out. People are just enjoying the ride here with him. But like, yeah, I think, I think Damian Cox wrote a piece in the start today about how like they have to trade him. So we're still. It must have been a positive piece as usual from Damian. Well, of course, Damian only positive, but like, (laughs) we're, we're still there. Like we're still, people are still having the conversations, but I would say it's like the average Nylander heat, nothing too crazy. Hmm. He looks great. Um, I think push comes to shove. They'll get him signed. I, I don't know really with the wonderful salary cap that that uh, that's that's in place. I don't know how they're going to do it, but it's you know I, this has been one of my hobby horses on the radio all summer and and all year to start the year. It's like there's these rich teams like the Leafs are just they were just named the most they were worth what they were two point six five billion dollars according to Sportico. They're the number one team in the league. They and they can only we're having conversations about spending $10 million on a homegrown stud that they've actually had patience with and actually developed and turned them into what they thought they could be. So now we got to let them go now because it's like, Oh yeah, the billion dollar industry can't pay $10 million because it's like they're capped out. Like could the cap go $4 million Gare? Can we have that? Yeah. Is that allowed? Like it's, it's crazy. And it's not just the Leafs. It's all these Canadian teams. You look at these, look at the Oilers. Yep. They can't do anything. Nope. Every team that's good is just completely strapped. It's crazy. There's no other league like this. Like the NBA has, you know, the 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 luxury the tax. luxury tax and like the bird rights and all this different stuff. You look at what the NFL does. The salary cap doesn't exist. I don't know how the hell it works. <laughs> the baseball, you know, it's it's a little bit, you know, it's it's the the fair play stuff. But yeah, man, every team that's competitive is just working with pennies. It's crazy how capped out every team is. It sucks. Um, Sam, before I let you go, I uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on the Blue Jays checking in, according to Bob Nightingale, on mm. Shohei Otani. Oh, yeah, they're, they're checking in. They're checking they'll in check. on uh, – they'll check in on him and they'll find uh, some other team's 26th uh, outfielder and play him. They'll play him in the center field and they'll love his defensive metrics and he'll be, he'll be great. Yeah. And then they'll trade, and then they'll trade another, they'll trade another top prospect for a fourth outfielder that'll really help them out. Can, can you, expo- I, <laughs> can you, can you, I have not been more disenfranchised with a, with a team than the blue Jays. Like the whole this year, as you guys know, was a grind. Mm. It was no fun the whole way through. Like I watch, I watch 150 games every year. I watch so much Blue Jays. I spend my whole summer watching Blue Jays. I love the Jays. And this summer was so bad. And then that two-game series, when they took Brios out of that game, that's a feeling that I have never felt as a sports fan. It was like my favorite sport slipping away from me. It was disgusting. <laughs> I'm so mad at the Blue Jays, boys. Oh, my God. I wish you hadn't got me started. I'm so mad. <laughs> uh, explain to me uh, Don Mattingly got no. elevated to the offensive coordinator. Explain to me what that is. <laughs> Offensive coordinator. What the, what Does he have a clipboard? Like what's going on? Does he have an eye? Like what is he doing out there? Is he making calls from up top the press box? Like, hey, go get a hit, Vlad. Like what? What's the? Uh, what does that mean? He's got. They got Todd Munkin in there. He's like, yeah, running back dive. Like what? Like honestly, them bringing back everybody. Like the hitting coaches staying. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Hitting coaches get fired every year. Yep. Just bring in somebody different. What are you doing? It's like, oh, you know, the the consistency is a competitive advantage. Prove it. Win yeah. a playoff game. Yeah. Like, I this is we're too far along in this in this era of Blue Jays basically talking about this. Like 
Yeah, it'd be great if they checked in on Shohei Otani. How about you just give them $500 million? That's a good check-in. Hey, yep. Shohei, here, we're checking in. Here's $500 million. How's that yep. sound? Yep. That's the kind of check-in I like. They got it. They got it if they, they want to. Uh, real quick, uh, just really quickly, because we've got to get to Frank. Yeah. How much do you die inside a little bit every time you see Gab Moreno hit a bomb? A, a lot. Like, a lot. <laughs> yeah. Aww. And it wasn't just Gab Moreno, boys. It was Lourdes, yep. who was yep. always clutch in Toronto. Yep. Always clutch. Like, yep. he came up with so many big hits for the Jays. And then in the playoffs, it's like, oh, shocker, the super clutch guy was having big clutch moments and big clutch games. Yep. And the stud catcher you traded for a guy you can't hit above 210. That was a great trade. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so bad. Um, wow. They, well, you ruined my morning. Thanks, George. They, they were having too much fun in, on the, on, in the dugout with uh, Lourdes yeah. Gurriel Jr. there. Yeah, too much fun. Get had to change it around. Hey, good thing that they got fun. rid of the home run jacket, too. That really worked out for yeah. them this season. You really made me mad. Thanks, I'm sorry. Man. Appreciate it, boys. Uh, enjoy the really game tonight. Happy. Thanks, pal. Yeah, great stuff, boys. Keep it up. There he is, uh, Sam McKee, the producer of Real Kipper and Born on the Sportsnet Radio and Television Network. Straight ahead, Frank Saravalli. How many teams are calling the Flames about their blue line? We'll ask Frank that next. And uh, what's the next step in Edmonton? (laughs) Oh, boy. Talk to Frank Saravalli next. Big show, Russick and Rose. With Patty Dumas, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, it's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan at the top of the hour, the voice of the Calgary Flames on Sportsnet 960. Derek Wills would join us. Um, Melancholy Malcolm, um, he's our, uh, he likes to read Misery. Uh, no. He'll, he'll join us. Melancholy Malcolm will join us at 8.30 for some Oilers fans tweets from mm, last night. Nice. Uh, I'll give you some Oilers stats that just don't look good for the team. <laughs> and also, we're taking your text messages at 960-960, name and location. The Oilers losing in San Jose last night makes me want to blank this weekend. The Oilers losing in San Jose last night makes me want to blank this weekend. 960-960, name and location. We'll do that at 8.30 as well. But right now... Our man Frank Cervalli, uh, NHL sleuth for Daily Faceoff, brought to you by South Trail Exports. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailExports.com. Mr. Cervalli, how are you? We're doing the sleuth thing again, huh? You want me to stop? What would, what would you like to be called? Uh, but just it's got, Frank. Yeah. Just Frank? Yeah, that's it. All right. Frank from Daily Faceoff? Let's be Frank about it. Yeah. Let's be Frank. Okay. Um, the Edmonton Oilers losing to San Jose last night. Uh, you, we all watched it. Uh, we, we, some of us were, were enjoying it. Some of us weren't enjoying it. What was your perspective on them actually losing to the Sharks last night in a game that felt like a must win in November? It's scary. I mean, life comes at you fast, right? Last to begin this week, we're talking about the San Jose Sharks being potentially the worst team in NHL history. They're certainly challenging the modern-day record. And today, the Edmonton Oilers wake up, and they're tied with them in the standings. I mean, it just – it defies logic, really. And I think really the toughest part to sift through is the the, the, – this is where we can have an amazing analytics debate because all of the underlying numbers, and certainly there's some score effects at play, but they all point toward this just being a – blip on the radar and a rut but then you watch the game with your eye yeah and you see a team that dominated for a stretch basically fell into a coma for a half hour and then 
somehow woke up realizing that they needed to absolutely get the two points and then get goalied. I mean, think about that turn of events and how we've gotten to this point right. for a team that everyone kind of viewed universally as, if not a Stanley Cup contender, then a Stanley Cup favorite and trendy pick. And they are going to be scrapping to get a wild card spot. Uh, Frank, McDavid's got to be hurt, right? Because he just doesn't look the same. I mean, the clearest indication of that for me was when he said the other day, healthy enough, mm. right? Is that not just a, an admission that he's not 100%? Where's Drysaddle in this too? Lost on a milk carton. I mean, that's that's sort of the one the one guy I can't really figure out. Like, how did this power play historically good for two seasons in a row? Like, among the best ever, if not the best ever. And they they can't they can't make anything happen. No mm-hmm. magic. No nothing. No chances. No no dangerous looks. Like I. You, you were just kind of waiting for one of those two guys to step up and start bludgeoning people, and it hasn't happened. Does Jay Woodcroft survive this? I have a hard time believing he does. I mean, look, it becomes a math equation right now. There's a checklist that they had, I think, earlier this week when things you know started to go sideways, or I guess more recently since the heritage classic when things started to go sideways that the easiest thing to do the first time was to wave jack campbell and you don't want to do this loss by loss but the point is they have to find a way to by the 41 game mark get get to level ground midway point of the season they need 36 points in their last 29 games before the midway point to even have a chance. So each you know game, each week that you let pass without moving in the right direction, you've sunk your season. And I don't, I don't think that that's going to be a possibility for this team, meaning I don't think they're going to leave any stone unturned. Whether it's firing the coach, making a seismic trade after that, it seems like all those things are aligning that they're going to do whatever possible to take it, try and make something happen this year. Well, this thing is just unacceptable. How easy is it just to say, hey, they need to make a seismic trade, but the vultures are circling around the Edmonton Oilers right now. They know they're desperate. Can, can they make a good trade at this time of year when everyone in the entire hockey world knows that this team has to get things back on track now and be a playoff team? Why would you really help them out without absolutely fleecing them in something that they want? Well, that's exactly why I think the coaching change comes next. Hmm. Because we've said we say all the time it's a lot easier to make that happen instead, right? You can change out, and frankly, the whole staff might be changed out. I think there's probably a good chance Glenn Gullitson remains if they do this, but you got to change the goalie coach. You got to change everything. How much? Uh, obviously, like this is uh, obviously Jay Woodcroft's going to get a lot of the flack and all this, but how much is Ken Holland in to blame in all of this? It's hard to say because the manager doesn't play. He's not the guy out there telling everyone where to go and what to do and structure and changing the defensive zone setup and all these other things that come with the coaching staff. I mean, 
You could take a run at Ken Holland if you wanted to. First off, I'm not sure what that gets you because Mm -hmm. he's in the last year of his deal and has been pretty public in saying that he, this is it. And second, just go back to one year ago. This is a team that had 109 points entered the Stanley cup playoffs on a 14, Oh, and one run. And gave the defending, well, the now defending champs a run for their money in the second round. They're maybe their toughest series. And the year before that got to the conference final. So the same, mostly the same group is back. Is that really the manager's fault that Mm -hmm. they've started this way? I guess what I'm trying is, is is maybe there's just too much. Is there too much Connor McDavid influence on the team a little bit? Like you get, you get Connor Brown. Like it just feels like there was, it is a very top heavy group. And I get that a lot of these top contending teams, they're all capped out. They're going to look a little bit top heavy, but it just feels like this team was just built. It just looked like the mistakes were, were there. It could happen if that defense core wasn't sure enough. And it wasn't, and it hasn't been. Yeah. And I, I think the point about defense is certainly well-made and look, I was one of those people that the day that the Matias Ekholm trade was made was saying, Hey, I, you know, this was a lot to give up and it might be the wrong move. And it's not really the six week run that you had with Matias Ekholm. It's the next three years on mm-hmm. his deal that become problematic when you've got really limited resources, you know, in relation to the cap. So you've got to get things right. Um, Look, the McDavid influence in some ways only grew this summer Mm -hmm. because Jeff Jackson, his agent, became the new CEO of Hockey Ops. And so he's the guy ultimately today um, that is responsible for making the call on what happens next. It's not Ken Holland. He's Mm -hmm. Ken Holland's boss. Frank Cervalli, NHL Daily Faceoff, joining us courtesy of South Trail Exports. It's the big show, Russick and Rose with Patty Dumal. Sportsnet 960, the fan. How many teams are calling the Flames about their blue line right now, Frank? I think a bunch. I do think the recent, you know, week, the last couple games, probably just, I don't want to say gives the Flames any pause, but you start to see things come together a little bit, and you're like, okay, should we give this, you know, 10, 15 games to see what this looks like? As, as they've seemed like they settled in, you know, Kadri four game point streak. There's certainly been a bit more fight. Um, I think, you know, even watching the Nashville game the other night. Um, I think the idea that seismic roster changes are around the corner is, you know, I think abundantly obvious and on the table with the flames and what happens next. But I do think that, you probably need to give this just another couple of weeks before you really begin putting the for sale sign on the front lawn. Have teams called about Jacob Markstrom? Not to my knowledge. Hmm. Because obviously uh, maintenance day yesterday, they called up Dustin Wolf. Uh, maybe yeah. he's dealing with something. Maybe we might see Dustin Wolf play in this three game road trip. Um, I know Elliot. What talked... a shot in the arm that is, by the way. Yeah. Like, I just, I, I want to see it. I mean, this is like, it's, I don't want to say appointment viewing, but it it's kind of close to that. If you're a Flames fan, like you want to see this guy in action. This yeah. is your this is your top prospect. Yeah, it's exciting to watch him um, play. Um, Elliot on Thirty Two Thoughts said uh, potentially the Flames are looking for help with Jonathan Huberto. Are you hearing the same thing? And what what constitutes as help for Jonathan Huberto? That I think is the toughest question to answer. Is 
what what will help him? What's the solution? Yeah, I think they're open to finding a solution because I think everyone understands here that this is you can't you can't do anything else except for look for those. To sit here and cross your arms and park him on the bench in day 40 of a 8-year contract doesn't really help anyone, doesn't really make any sense. And so I think everyone recognizes the situation and how disappointing this has been, how underwhelming Huberto's play has been, his confidence, just looking at his body language, you can tell is completely shattered. And I just don't know from a chemistry perspective what it is that will set him free, what will allow him to take off. Because it does feel to me, and I'm sure to everyone in Calgary, that it seems like the Flames have tried just about every combination possible. There, It's not like there can't be just a, you know, in solving for this problem, like there's only one possible player solution for him to work with in the league. And it can't just be, Hey, I only play well when I play with Alexander Barkov, like that can't be it. So I don't know what that looks like, but I think it'd be really smart that that has to be on the flames list of priorities whether it's two or three uh, this year, first one being maximizing the value of your pending UFAs and begin to look for, you know, as number three in relation to that would be to look for guys that you could potentially acquire with the pieces you get back. But two has to be fixing Jonathan Huberto. If it's not, obviously, if it's not Alex Barkov, could it be as simple as maybe another Florida teammate in Anthony Duclair, maybe? I mean, everyone's mentioned that. Yeah. Is that is that really the solution? Like, is is that it? I mean... I think the center might be more of an issue with Ho Huberto, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's at least more along the lines of what I'm thinking. You know, how much could Duclair possibly cost you to find out? I mean, the problem is you and I are having this conversation. Other people have mm-hmm. been saying it for months. And then Mike Greer is like, well, okay, I have Anthony Duclair here. How badly do you want him? Exactly. Uh, Frank, uh, the Boston Bruins I just continue to, to fascinate everybody. This was supposed to be uh, their, their striking down year. They were supposed to not be as good. They're actually one point better than they were at this point last year. Pavel Zaka, Charlie Coyle with his first ever hat trick last night. And then Matthew Poitra, just uh, the guy coming out of nowhere. Uh, is getting is scoring as well. Just what do we make of this Boston Bruins team? It, it, the whole organization. This is just you come to Boston, you play this certain way, and we're going to be good. It's amazing to watch, and it was really funny. We were having this discussion yesterday um, with my podcast co-host uh, on the DFO rundown, and it was like he was like, "They're come on, they're not going to be this good all year." And I was like, "What evidence do you have to suggest <laughs> that they're not?" We've got a 95 game sample size now over these last two regular seasons to suggest that this is possible, like that they can actually continue to play this well and pile up this many points. Um, Do I think they're going to be another 136 point team? Probably not. But even just the the track that they're Mm -hmm. on now is insane to think about. You know, you're probably looking at 110 in that neighborhood as a sort of minimum bar. Um, And that allows for some pretty big dips. So they've been unreal. Their goaltending to me is 
I think the most interesting part. And if you look at teams around the league that really <clears throat> Edmonton could use a, a goalie, mm-hmm. yeah, like, yep. but what's the incentive for the Bruins to make a change? Yeah. Like why like, break that up? Even if you're giving them a haul, I'm looking at it saying, but we've got an authentic chance to win the Stanley cup here with these two guys. And maybe their biggest downfall in the playoffs last year was trying to ride one guy instead of splitting it up. Which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, we just talked to uh, our pal Sam McKee. He's a producer of Real Kipper and mm-hmm. Born in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, is are the Oilers and the Leafs kind of that Spider-Man meme pointing at each other right now, um, Frank? Uh, I mean, you could look at the standings today and say it's the Oilers and Sharks. Uh, but that wouldn't be nice. But ro- just roster uh, construction. Construction-wise, yeah, yeah. I think that's a comparison that you know, we've sort of thought about for a while. You mentioned earlier in our conversation the idea of being so top-heavy. And that's really what happens is you end up paying the price on defense when you've got such, a, such an impressive collection of forwards that eat up and chew up so much of your cap. I mean... The tough part is, I was just mentioning the same thing about Ekholm, but so the Leafs finally this summer get a little bit of flexibility. Four million bucks is not nothing, and you spend it on John Klingberg. Like, yeah, it hurts. I and I'm and here's the thing: like, I'm not gonna, you know, front offices, hockey ops teams make mistakes all the time, but in signing John Klingberg, I, I was looking at that then going are these guys flat earthers? Like, are they deniers of (laughs) what we've seen from the last 18 months of John Klingberg go back to his end stint in Dallas and then Anaheim and, and the way he finished off last season in Minnesota. No good. At what point now 18 months older and sufficiently rattled after leaving $50 million on the table did you think that this guy was coming, going to come in and be a game changer for you? As Sheldon Keefe kind of, you know, made really clear this week, the focus and effort needs to be put on their own zone and defensive zone play, not trying to put pucks in the net. We know they can do that, but can they keep them out? And that's really what's keeping them from being the Bruins or being the Golden Knights or being one of these teams that is able to run through the regular season the answer is they're not good enough. Um, all the attention on the Oilers and their struggles in this country, but uh, the Senators flying under the radar with a very mediocre start with a team that has a ton of playoff aspirations. How yeah, hot is me. that? Yeah, how hot is that seat with DJ Smith right now? It's pretty toasty. I mean, <laughs> it's not as scorching and ass burning as Jay Woodcroft, mm. but. Um, it is, it is crisp. And for a a larger man like myself, or perhaps DJ Smith, uh, probably not that, not that comfortable. Um, that said, here's the difference between what we've seen this week between a couple franchises with coaches on the hot seat. You get a really vocal and loud backing publicly from Brady Kachuk and from, Claude Giroux. Yeah. And then they go and back it up. They beat the Leafs. Yeah, they lost last night on a back-to-back. That happens, but I don't I haven't seen that from the Oilers. 
where you, you've got an opportunity. Everyone knows going into that game that you lose to the Sharks who have one win and, you know, there's probably going to be significant consequences. And I didn't hear it first from the Oilers and I did definitely didn't see it. That would, you know, seem to suggest that there's some sort of fight in that group to really change the situation. Uh, interesting stuff uh, in Ottawa right now. Uh, just real quick, too, sticking in that uh, division, your thoughts on the Sabres so far in their start? Yeah, it's been so-so. I mean, they've gotten back to level ground. They started uh, two and four, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, I, I think with a team like Buffalo, sometimes it's going to come in fits and starts. Um, I do think that, you know, with what they're trying to accomplish goaltending-wise, that it's, it's not always going to be a straight line forward. And that part uh, certainly isn't easy. Um, look, I think this is a team that has some people that have underachieved to this point. Like Tage Thompson really got it going um, over the last few games, but he started a little bit quiet. It's been impressive from Casey Middlestat. I think this team is going to go as far as they can on the back of their defensemen. And when you've got power and you've got uh, Darlene, you know, back there anchoring things, and especially on two different pairs, you're going to be in really good shape. So I think there's lots of positive signs for Buffalo. And look, I, I think in the very near term, it could potentially be getting significantly better because I don't want to say they're the favorite because I think it's too early to handicap that. But I, I certainly think that the Buffalo Sabres are right in there and right at the top of the list for Patrick Kane. That would be fascinating. Yeah. Buffalo kid coming home. Love it, it. Like, it makes the most sense, right? It's like Detroit's got money. Buffalo's got money. They make the most sense. But and then there's the Rangers and Panthers. They're cap strapped. It's like Buffalo just makes logically the most sense, right? I just think from a pure like career perspective, yeah, career story. where's one place you can go? Yeah. It, well, first off it's home, yep. but, and you can end this, this playoff drought. That's the longest in the league. I think it's the longest in pro sports and tied with the Jets. You can't, yeah. You can be the guy that helps lift them up and into that space. But more than that, you could probably play there for two, three, four years mm-hmm. and end your career there that I think you continue to grow with this team. It, it all depends on, that's what he's wrestling with right now is is short term or long term, and it's not about money because he's made a hundred and twenty two million dollars in his <laughs> career. That doesn't that's not a driver right now. I do think there's part of him that feels like there's some leftover and unfinished business from from New York mm-hmm. and him not being healthy. Mm. Plus, the team's probably, good too. Yeah, I mean that part of it, but I think he feels like he let them down after trading for him and, and wants to see that through and. They have a real opportunity to win, but if you've won three Stanley Cups, do you want the one shot, you know, sort of let's see if we can do mm-hmm. this this year, or do you want to try and build something again? And depends on what your personality is. Like, I'm more of a builder, so that's what I would do. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Frank Saravalli from NHL Daily Faceoff. Frank, always terrific stuff. Thanks for this, pal. Have a good one, guys. There's Frank Saravalli brought to you by South Trail Exports. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailExports.com. I selfishly want Pat Kane to go to Buffalo. Oh, God, yeah, me too. I think it's just the, the 88 in that jersey. 
It's always um, electric when the Hawks played uh, the Sabres there yeah, in Buffalo. Yeah, uh, pro Patrick family, King people. Like it's, it would be great. Uh, I think it, it and 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 like what Frank says, like it, the builder. Like what's the second act of Patrick Kane's career? Like you'll be thirty. Right. He's going to be thirty-five here uh, in the next couple weeks. Like it would be great to be a part of that Sabres team to put them up into the you know the next greatest Sabres hockey team. Future Hall of Famer Patrick Kane Damn back right. home to Buffalo. Future Hall of Famer Kale McCarr back to Calgary. Easy like that. Just, just like that. Just like that. Just like that one is a free agent. <laughs> Done. Done. Uh, straight ahead, the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, will join us. Uh, tee up the Flames and Maple Leafs from Toronto tonight at 830. We'll hear from Melancholy Malcolm. And I have a uh, an Oilers uh, stat that doesn't really look good for them. It doesn't look good for them this morning. Uh, we'll do that uh, in the 8 o'clock hour. It's the big show. Russick and Rose. No Rose. Dumas. Sportsnet 960. The fan.